0: So reading from Colossians 1, verses 21 to 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you in his holy sight without blemish and free from accusation If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Has anyone here uh, ever renovated? Yeah? What about restoring an old run down broken house to its original no i've seen it i've seen it done and it's it's beautiful someone every now and then sees an old run down ruin sees the beauty that it once had and chooses to put a lot of time and effort and resources into restoring it to its original condition. Someone t- takes the time and effort to reconcile that house. Similarly, most of us here have uh, experienced bad relationships. Bad relationships can be reconciled when people take the time, the effort to make it right, to go and ask for forgiveness or to forgive. To reconcile is to restore wrong to right. It's to restore what is bro- restore what is broken. To fix what is broken. Last week, we learned that Jesus Christ is God himself, that he is supreme. We'll also see again in a couple of weeks in chapter 2 that Christ is the fullness of God in himself. This means that the totality of divine power and attributes is in Christ. Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. through Christ we saw last week God reconciled all things to himself through Christ for making peace through his cross and today we're going to see the God's reconciling purpose that in Christ he restores us people back to himself from eternal separation from him from Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 to 23 We're going to be reminded, firstly, of the problem of sin that has made us enemies of God. Secondly, how God has fixed that problem by reconciling us through Christ. And third, to be encouraged to persevere in our hope, sorry, persevere in our faith in Christ, our hope. So let's get into number one. The first one, once we were enemies of God. Verse 21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. Now, Paul jumps straight in to remind us of who we were. And I think it's a very healthy thing for us to do often, to always remember who we were before God took action and chose to reconcile us. The Greek word for alienated here means estranged or cut off, separated. Before we became followers of Christ, we were cut off from a relationship with him because of our sin. What God originally intended and created for all eternity was broken and destroyed. And we need to remember also that sin isn't just a bad behaviour that we do. but is our attitudes towards God. And this is where our minds come in. Sin comes from our mind. Our sin nature that we are born with passed down from Adam when he fell. So our minds are naturally self-righteous. Disbelief is the foundation of sin. We live and act in what we believe. Jesus Christ said it himself on the Sermon on the Mount, if we remember that, that uh, you've heard it said if you, that to, to not commit adultery, but if you look at another person with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Or do not murder, but I say if you hate another, you've murdered them in your heart. See, Christ is going past the action and to where it's coming from You know hearts or minds. So we are separated from God or alienated from God because of our minds. Our disbelief is expressed in our evil actions. This passage isn't saying that we are enemies because because of our evil behaviour. Rather, Our behavior is the result of our minds, where our minds are at. If we don't believe in God and His way, we will live contrary to it. We will live how we choose is right, not what God says is right. For example, if we believe there is no life after death, we will live like that. We will live for today, for tomorrow we die. We will try and get the most out of life today while we can before we die it's not our evil actions that separate us from God but our disbelief or denial our disbelief is expressed in how we live and act we are confronted with this every day from people around us when we switch on the news when we look on social media the lifestyle that we are confronted with is unrepentant unrepentant sin or disbelief as Christians we have chosen to repent from this sin our lifestyle of disbelief though we sin and can act in a way that might look like we don't believe at times these actions don't separate us from God the things that we do do not separate you from God because we've chosen to believe And to repent from our sin. For example, you might make a bad choice one day and fall into sin, but that doesn't mean you lose your salvation. That doesn't mean you're not saved. But the hope is that our conscience will bring us back to that repentance that we chose. The problem that's being raised here that we had is unrepentant hearts that reflect our disconnect from God, our alienation from God. The difference between an unrepentant heart to a repentant heart is the desire to live God's way and recognize and recognize the guilt and shame that we feel when we do when we do sin. If we have chosen to follow Christ but still struggle in areas of sin, please be assured that your actions do not separate you from God. You can't stop being a Christian or lose your salvation just because you act in sin. If you believe in your heart and mind that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour, you are saved. Being followers of Christ, we should be motivated by God's grace to to love and to, to strive for holy living. This is the desire of a repentant heart, a desire that I pray we all have. And this brings us to our next point, that God has reconciled us, has restored us back to himself. The motivation that we should have for Christian living is that God has redeemed us from being alienated from him, that Paul has just reminded us we were. But we're not like that anymore. God has reconciled us through Christ. So We look at verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish And free from accusation. Huge word there, but. After talking about what we were, he says, but this is not you anymore. You are now free. You are now reconciled. You're now free from accusation, without blemish. You are holy in God's sight. Remember, to reconcile is to restore wrong to right, to fix what is broken. Our relationship with God was broken because of our disbelief, our sin. We were alienated from God, but God, in his love for us, couldn't leave us there and made a way for us to be reconciled, to restore us to himself. We are reconciled by Christ's death. Other words for reconcile are to resolve or to reunite, to restore the Greek word for reconcile also means to change or exchange and this is where Christ comes in Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 but God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us We need to be reminded of why Christ had to die. Because the punishment for sin is death. Being separated from God, who is the source of eternal life. We deserved to be separated from God forever because we were alienated in our minds. Life is eternal. The way God created it. And if we can't live with God, then in eternity, then we'll live without God for eternity. So if we die still alienated from God, we enter eternity separated from him. And we face an eternity of God's judgment against sin. It's because God is holy and he is just, sin has to be dealt with. He can't just reconcile us and bring us back to himself without dealing with the sin. He had to do something about the problem of sin that we had. So he took the entire punishment that we deserved, that we were awaiting on himself. Christ was sacrificed for us, so that we could be reconciled. This is the same Christ that we've just learned in the last couple of weeks is the image of the invisible God. He has all the fullness of God in him. The same Christ who all things in heaven and earth have been created through him and for him. In him all things hold together. He is supreme, and yet he chose to humble himself, to take the punishment for sin that we deserved. He didn't deserve it, but his love motivated him to do that for us. Christ, God himself, became a man lived a sinless life because he is holy and righteous and died for the sin of the world. But he didn't leave it there. Though Jesus Christ died because he is God and he is the fullness of God and has power over life and death, he rose and conquered the grave, defeating death, defeating sin so that we could be reconciled. Brought back to into a relationship with God because of his sacrifice and victory over sin and death he has paid the price for sin and made the way for people to be reconciled back to God all that is required of us is faith faith in this awesome gospel by faith we are saved by faith we are reconciled and made holy and blameless in God's sight John chapter 3 verse 18 says Whoever believes in him in Christ is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned So we see our minds have been uh, put into action here our minds were alienated because of disbelief and now our minds to be saved turn to believe. Our disbelief alienated us, but our belief saved us. Our faith saves us. We are now holy and blameless before God. God declares a sinner righteous. Solely on the basis of the merits of Christ's righteousness. So God transferred a believer's sin to Christ's account in his sacrificial death and transfers Christ's perfect obedience and holiness to believers. It's amazing grace, undeserved favour. we receive God's gracious gift of righteousness by faith alone. By faith we realise and remember who we are before God, who we were, alienated, to who we are now, free from accusation. When we ask God to forgive us and we repent from our sin, from our disbelief, he reconciles us. Because of Christ God's sacrifice, God sees us repentant sinners as He sees Christ. He sees us righteous, holy, without blemish. He no longer sees us the way we were, even though we remember the way we were. As a result, we are free from accusation. We are no longer guilty. We are freed from shame before a holy God. We are now reconciled and waiting to see the fullness of our reconciliation when we go to physically be with him, our Lord and Saviour. Luther gives an example of our reconciliation. He describes our reconciliation uh, like a doctor giving medicine to a really sick person, a mortally sick person. As soon as the medicine is passed through the lips of the sick person, he starts to get better. And so he declares him um, well. But without the medicine, he dies. Though they're not 100% after taking the medicine and still struggle with some symptoms of the old illness, they are well and they are getting better. When we go to physically be with Christ forever, we will be 100% better, freed from the struggles of sin that we face every day. Our reconciliation will be complete. Yes, we are reconciled now, but we are what we are not yet experiencing the fullness that God has for us when we go to be with him. And this is the encouragement for us to persevere to strive for that, to strive for our freedom, complete freedom, complete reconciliation in him. Our third point, that we persevere in our faith, in Christ, our hope. Christ is our only hope. So we look in verse 23. If you continue in your faith established and firm, And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. The verb continue often has a sense of remaining in a place or locality. Faith is a state of being that God has placed us in his sovereignty. This is where Christians are to remain rather than just the activity of believing. Faith goes beyond just believing to show the content of what is believed. And we see this when we read the book of James. Faith is acting on what we believe. This passage, again, I need to remind us that it's not saying that if you don't persevere, you will lose your reconciliation with God. Rather, it's an encouragement to hold on to our hope of reconciliation with God to the very end. Let's hold on to that. When we experience the fullness of our reconciliation with God, seeing him face to face, and what a day that will be. Our hope holds good if we hold on to it. And Paul knows too that genuine faith is seen in patient, steadfast, day-to-day living, while counterfeit faith Withers and dies. If we stop living in what we hope for, how can we be confident in what we we hope for? There are many distractions in life that have led people astray from the hope of the gospel. To avoid being pulled away, we are encouraged to ground ourselves in the truth of the gospel. To be moved more and more by God's love and grace to us every single day. This is why Paul reminds us of who we were before Christ. To who we are now. He reminds us that we were alienated and guilty before a holy God. But now we are children of God, holy and blameless in his sight. Understanding the depth of our reconciliation... Drives us to persevere every day. In addition to being declared righteous, Christians are also made new creations with a new nature that loves God, hates sin, desires obedience, and is energized by the indwelling Holy Spirit. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5. Endurance does not produce salvation. It is empowered to show the reality of salvation. To show the reality of our reconciliation with God. It is faith established and firm in gospel hope. Faith established and firm in gospel hope. The words established and firm refer to the security of foundations and superstructure. We go back to the building here. When we build our faith on secure foundations and an immovable structure, our faith will be unshakable, unbreakable, immovable. The place where the structure is located is the gospel itself. The proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord the gospel doesn't work like magic our mind, our heart and will must be involved our minds are to feed on Christ and his word our hearts are to focus on him in love and our wills are to take their practice and pattern from him the gospel is to be our lifestyle gospel hope shapes the way we live Paul goes on to say that in hearing the gospel, we are part of an audience that includes every creature under heaven. Here Paul is saying that in Jesus Christ, God has proclaimed once and for all that the world in which he made has been reconciled back to himself. And we are like heralds, agents that are scattered throughout the earth with this message to proclaim to all people. Paul says that we've become, that he has become a servant of this message, the gospel, leading by examples for his hearers to follow. Like Paul, we are stewards of this gospel. If we've been reconciled, and we've been moved, and we are fallen in love with the God who has reconciled us, then surely we would desire all people to experience the same joy and peace and comfort of knowing the God who saves the God who pulls us from the pit who restores us from alienation with him to being holy and blameless in his sight just as importantly as speaking the gospel, our lives are to show the gospel how we live in And love others can often speak louder than words. But more importantly, give our words more power. A practical application from this is in our relationships with other people. If God suffered the greatest cost in order to reconcile us, then surely we too can show the gospel to the people around us in how we relate with each other. If we've wronged someone, we ask for forgiveness. If someone's wronged us, we forgive them. Remember the <clears throat> the old run-down house that I talked about at the start that was restored or reconciled back to its original glory. We were like this old house. House, old ruin our frame eaten away by termites the termites being sin causing us to crumble and fall before a holy God alienated from him but when God reconciled us through Christ he didn't just restore us to our original glory before sin before we fell but it's made us even more glorious. He's built us on a steel frame instead of a wooden frame so we can never again be eaten by termites or destroyed by sin. That frame is our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the imperishable, eternal cornerstone that our hope and our faith is to be built on making our faith unshakable, strong, strong enough to persevere through <clears throat> Sorry. Strong enough to persevere through whatever life throws at us each and every day until our reconciliation is complete. Our faith is like a house built on a rock. God resolved our problem of sin separating us from our relationship with him by reuniting us back to himself. God God has changed the way he views us by substituting or exchanging our deserved penalty of death with Christ's undeserved death crediting us with Christ's righteousness restoring our relationship with him through faith. Remember, he has restored it through our faith. Let's hang on to that. Let's persevere in faith. It is important (coughs) that we... (coughs) It's really important to be reminded of who we were before being reconciled and to who we are now so that we are encouraged by God's grace to persevere in gospel, in the gospel to which we are saved. This gives us 100% confidence in who we are before God now, tomorrow, next week, next year, into eternity. It gives us strength to proclaim the gospel in our lives, reflecting our reconciliation with God. This is what Paul prayed for, just as we close. Two weeks ago we saw this in verses 9 to 14. Paul prayed this. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul prays this, but then and gives this encouraging message to live in it, to live in this gospel, our only hope. There is no other hope, there is no other way to be reconciled to God but to remain in this gospel. Let's live in this glorious hope each and every day that God has restored us to himself. Let's pray. I. Oh, Glorious God, our Father, I stand amazed. Stand amazed and in awe of your grace. When we look at who we were, the hopeless state that we were in, before you decided, in love and grace, to to redeem us, to reconcile us, when we look at that and then look at the way we are now and the sacrifice that it took you to bring us back. We are overwhelmed by your grace. How amazing is your grace? We didn't deserve to be reconciled. But you loved us so much that Your desire was for us to be restored back to yourself, and so you made the way. And although Christ is God himself, Christ, the fullness of God, and all things hold together in him, and all, all things were created through him and for him, comes, humbles himself to take our punishment and to be hung on a cross. Father, give us the faith to believe. Restore our minds. Keep our minds strong in the belief of the gospel and in faith that perseveres. Lord, give us faith that doesn't just believe but encourages us to live in the gospel. To strive for that day when our reconciliation is complete, when you come back and physically take us to be with you. Lord, we thank you that you have reconciled us and that our future is secure. We cannot lose our salvation. Help us to persevere in that. It is our only hope. Help us not to lose that hope, but to remain faithful in Christ, who is our only hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.